The Bible and female leadership. Does the Bible allow women to be in leadership? Now, I know that this is a question that is very important to young girls and women around the world, right? Um, and I think it's especially relevant here in Africa, considering some of our cultural contexts and how they tend to lift men to a place of privilege and authority that comes with often not much responsibility, right? Um, and I, I can understand that feeling and I can understand that plight of wanting to understand what exactly are is a woman's role when it comes to, um, you know, responsibility, when it comes to particularly in leadership. And what does the Bible say about that? Um, and I say that because I can understand that, especially when you get to verses like uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Oh my goodness. Um, and another one in the New Living Translation says, let them listen quietly. Like you might be asking yourself, what does this mean? Like, is, does it mean that I'm just supposed to keep my mouth shut and let a man do whatever it is that is in his heart and that he has set out to do? This is a very, very important, these are very important scriptures to be understood, right? In our, because they influence the way that we structure our cultures, our pop culture. You know, when you watch a lot of TV, you find the very opposite of this, uh, of this notion, right? That a woman should be quiet, that a woman should be, should not teach. You find that a lot of media today, particularly today, right, is trying to push the notion that women should force themselves themselves into positions of leadership and they should not they shouldn't apologize for it and i can i can hear a lot of young girls and women right now saying exactly that's exactly what we should do uh, we should not always be apologetic about wanting to be in positions of leadership but then there are those of of, of you um, and those of us actually who want to be able to exist in these spaces of leadership while having a clear conscience and knowing what exactly is God's expectation of you as an individual. And I say this not to you as a woman, but I say it also to myself as a man, because I believe that God wants me to be in a position of leadership. I believe that God wants that where in the space that I exist as a man who is a head, he also wants me to understand that he has placed me there and has placed on my shoulders great responsibility. You know, it's like, it's like the line in, in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Um, and and, and, and that's, that's basically what it is with this. When God gives you the privilege of, 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 of authority, the privilege of responsibility, or rather the privilege of being in a position of influence, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And I think that's what the problem and the mistake that a lot of our cultures have made when it comes to this conversation of what is a woman's role in a position of, of leadership, right? What are the roles that women play when it comes to positions of leadership? And what does God expect of a woman who has been blessed with a position of influence? And, and how should she lead? Because I think that's the bigger question. The bigger question is not whether God wants you in positions of leadership. The bigger question is how does God want you to lead? Because 
we'll see as as we go on uh, through this discussion and as we explore some of the great uh, characters who led of female leadership within the Bible, you'll understand that God has no issue with using women. And, and I'm not even talking about a woman just leading her children or a woman being uh, taking a position of leadership in the kitchen or in taking care of orphans and the widows. I'm talking about real positions of leadership. And a good example of this would be Deborah. Like if you don't know who Deborah is as a young woman, you need to go read up on Deborah's story. Like really go through her story in the book of Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 and see the great things that God did through that woman. Now Deborah was a judge as well as a prophet right? She wasn't only just a judge by mistake, but she was a prophet even before that. She was anointed by God, a prophet. And she also stood in a position of leadership as a judge. And as we know, back in the day, before Israelites um, had kings, they relied on judges to make decisions, to lead them with wisdom. And whenever people are in conflict, it was the judges who settled those conflicts, it was it, the, the power of governance. God put put that power in their hands and he governed through them. And this woman had that honor. When you look at a woman like Miriam, who was one of the first to pick up an instrument and lead in worship after the Israelites crossed, miraculously crossed over the Red Sea. She was one of the first to, to chant um, worship towards God and, and, and being in praise and thanking him for crossing over. Right. These are women we should always remember always, always remember. And then you also have, although there were more uh, prominent prophets on the scene at the time, but you also have uh, the, the scenes of Jeremiah and Zephaniah. It's interesting that Halda, uh, the prophetess, had a leading role in the restoration of Israel right? We need to remember that these are women that existed. And I think the reason that we don't remember this is because we, our, our cultures have taught us not to, 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 to make mention or to normalize the conversation of women who were in leadership and who are in leadership and are doing a very good job at it. You also have women who were queen, right? Who played the role of queen and used that role to influence God's children. Right. Um, here's a, a little insert that I'm reading from uh, the Influence magazine uh, that says a whole book of the Bible tells the story of this fearless leader. Esther risked her own life to save the lives of the Jewish people. And each year uh, at uh, Purim, Jews everywhere still reflect on Esther's story. This is a story that the Jewish people celebrate the leadership and the risk that Esther took with her own life, her beauty and her body in order for her to actually lead the Israelites into a place of freedom, into a place of being taken care of rather than being uh, uh, oppressed, which the Israelites knew very, very well. And the Jewish people knew very, very well. Now, my question to you is this. How many female leaders are you able to count in one hand? And I'm, I'm talking about icons from the Bible. How many are you able to count from the top of your head and say, this female leader did this, this female leader did this, this female leader, leader did this? Like, do you even remember the fact that Mary Magdalene was the first to see the risen Christ? And she were the, the, it was women who were the first to go and proclaim that Christ is risen? 
to preach that gospel? Are you, are you even in memory of that, right? There were deacons in, in the New Testament. There were deacons in the New Testament, right? There were even businesswomen. I know you might be thinking, wait, what? In the Bible? <laughs> for real, for real. In the book of Acts, um, you have, upon arriving in Philippi, Paul, uh, Paul first went to the Jews. He found no synagogue, but he did find women praying at the river. Lydia, a merchant, do you know what a merchant is? <laughs> Do you know what a merchant is, right? Responded to the message of Christ and offered hospitality to Paul and Silas. This is in the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. Now, here's the thing. The Bible clearly has record of women being in business, women being judges, being in high political spaces of leadership. Why do our cultures not accept this as a norm? You see, God is not as much concerned about what that the fact that you are in position of lead in a position of leadership as a woman. He is more interested in your heart. Like what exactly are you in a position of leadership for? I mean, even if you go back to this um, um, verse in the first book of Timothy, chapter two, verse 12, that says she must be quiet. What is Paul actually referring to? In my understanding, and of course, I'm not going to impose my opinions and my conclusions on you. But when I study this verse and I study it within the context of the entire chapter two, first Timothy chapter two, Paul is not talking about women influencing societies and communities and the church. Paul is talking specifically about a woman's a woman usurping. If you look at the this uh, very same verse in the in the King James Bible, it doesn't it uses specifically the word usurp, which is to take something by force over the man. It doesn't say over men within the church. It says over the man, but to be silent, right? Here's what I gather, especially if you read it within the context. I mean, if you look at the verse before, like if you read uh, the just a few verses before, you'll notice that Paul is also talking about a woman must learn in quietness and full submissiveness. Here's one thing that, that Paul never says, right? The Bible never condones. For women to be submissive towards any man that they meet on the street. In my understanding, and according to my own drawn conclusion based on this chapter, Paul is specifically talking about a woman's behavior and attitude towards her husband because that is the head of her home. He is not talking about the every man that you see in public and in church that you should not exercise authority. And what if, I mean, what if you're a woman who went and studied finances and you are excellent at finances? You will have to teach some man, right? Because that's what you're good at. If you're good at coding, programming, good with computers, that is what you'll do. And I think it's time that we understand that the Bible is not designed to be impractical, right? Because there are instances where you will be married to someone who knows more than you about money, about finances, about, you know, um, um, about uh, interior designing, interior decorating, where you will literally have to take the back seat when it comes to those things. Welcome back to I Am Live. My name's Shalda Toy, and this is the part of the program that we share our thoughts on uh, certain themes and then we could have a discussion now the theme for this evening is something that is actually very very hot it's a hot topic currently in the church and that is can a 
women serve as a leader or a church? Can there be women in ministry? And what does the Bible say about that? And I find it interesting because uh, there's two verses mainly that, that addresses this issue. And I've noticed that often we take those two verses and then we build an entire dogma on the fact that in both cases it's Paul speaking. Uh, we build these entire dogma of not allowing women to preach in churches because of that saying of Paul. Now, I would like to start off by saying the first is found in 1 Corinthians and the second is found in uh, in the book of Timothy, where Paul addresses the, uh, the young pastor called Timothy. Timothy, if you didn't know, at that stage he was actually mentored by Paul um, and he was staying in Ephesus. And the following verses then said, Timothy 2, verse 11 to 15, Let the woman learn quietly with, quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived, and became a transgressor. Now, very interesting with regards to this is that within the context of the Ephesian church, they had uh, Aphrodite, which is a very interesting Greek goddess that was her temple was in the, the city of Ephesus. And Paul had to speak to these people that were used to... Um, living in Ephesus, used to living with these people, um, celebrating uh, Aphrodite. Now, Aphrodite worship is very interesting. It, they, she mainly had female prophetesses that would walk around in the temple and they would prophesy. Uh, they would tell people all these oracles that they would experience and that was the way that you would live a fruitful life and that was also the way that the Greek nation at that stage would multiply. Uh, she would mainly prophesy about being married and about having children. Now, Timothy lived in this context. They, he lived in the city. So Paul actually went out and said, do not let these women prophesy in church. It's important for us to understand the context it's important for us that when paul made that statement he's actually talking about a character of women not women in the great general term he's actually just making the claim that these type of women the women that would probably be at some point um, involved in the aphrodite worship they are not allowed to speak or to to take over the church you would also notice earlier in in the book of timothy paul addresses the fact that single women at that stage in the ephesian church made trouble they were gossipers they were slanderers and paul then just said listen let's just stop this entire thing nip it in the butt and do not allow them to uh, to live or to, to uh, share these slanderous and gossiping messages within the church and neither allow them to prophesy. Uh, let them submit to their husbands, which again was to a certain degree countercultural to what the experience was in the uh, Ephesian church at that stage. The second verse that we find is in 1 Corinthians, and that is where Paul also makes the statement that women should remain quietly in church. There we have a... Um, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. What Paul is actually doing there is a different context. The context that he was sitting with in the Corinthian church at that stage was the fact that he would like the outsiders to feel welcome in church, and thus the woman should allow uh, should allow the, the secular world almost, I know it sounds weird, but allow the secular world to influence the Christian world 
with the fact that it won't be strange for them to come to church, to come into the church and then experience sort of the same system. Now, what we do need to understand is then if we read these two verses, we immediately think that we are facing with a sitting with a patriarchal society in Christianity and women aren't allowed to lead prayer meetings or lead anything, which is not the case. If we simply go on the fact that there is there are two verses pertaining to women not allowed to work in ministry, we miss the fact that there's probably tens other ten other verses saying that there are women currently in ministry and they are doing great things in ministry. You can have a look at Lydia. Paul very often actually uh, thanks Lydia in the end of his letters. Letters. You can actually have a look at Chloe. Uh, Chloe is one of the ladies that Paul also mentions in his letters. Lydia, going back to her, is a lady that opened up a house. She actually had a church in her house. Let's have a look at the, the life of, of Jesus. When he was walking, he was sharing his life with Mary and Martha, which became close friends to him. He was the one talking to the Samaritan woman. So one thing that we do need to realize and that we do need to face, that within the Christian society, within the Christian context of the world, women actually have a very high place. They have a very, very high place with regards to the society that we are living in. You would also notice that in Ephesians, Paul is actually writing to the Ephesians, telling them how to live their lives. And that is where the well-known verse comes from of women submit to wives, submit to your husbands. And then he makes a statement because we never read that part that says, and husbands submit to your wives as submitting unto the Lord. Um, and then as Christ submitted his life or gave his life for the church, so we should give our lives for our wives. It is not a slave-master relationship. It is a, a unifying submission between man and husband. And we should actually exhibit that in the church as well. In the church, we should see women rising up to the positions that they are called to be. Having a look at the Old Testament, you would see that the entire Jewish nation was saved by the bravery, oh, not bravery, by the bravery of Esther. You would also notice that the prophetess Deborah was the one that went out and assisted the Jewish nation with the war that they were raging. We should know these things in order for us to have a global understanding or a holistic understanding of the role of women within church. Miriam is also another prophetess that the God that the, that the Lord uses powerfully. Therefore, I think it is for us as Christians time to understand that there are two verses which have very uh, important contextual understanding to why Paul made the statement that women should not lead church. But we've got numerous other verses telling us that women are more than capable of leading in a church. Women are more than capable of, uh, I actually want to say, serving as leaders within the global congregation, within the local congregation. They can be pastors, they can be prophets, they can be in the worship team. None of these things mean that they should not be allowed to serve within the local congregation. If you're sitting and thinking to yourself, okay, but I, I don't agree with this, given like I'm listening to what you're saying and I, I, I have so many more questions just based on this discussion that you guys are having. And you know what? I completely, completely understand why you would have all of those questions. I mean, especially when 
uh, you consider the verse that we read in First Timothy chapter 2. And you might have many other examples that I might not have mentioned. It's important to remember that we have limited time on this program. We can only cover so many topics, right? We can only cover so many off-ramps and, and avenues, explore so many avenues. So I want to encourage you to do your own research. I want to encourage you to go into the Word. And these days, having Google makes it so much easier for you to just explore the different women in positions of leadership in the Bible and how they led. And I think the ultimate thing to take from this, and, and especially from my side, is that it, God is not as much concerned with a woman being in a position of leadership as much as he is with your heart. And I think this is why Paul mentioned that you should not usurp authority over a man. That is when you take something by force, when you forcefully take something from somebody. Um, he was encouraging that ma man and woman in a marriage should a coexist in peace and should not uh, try to overthrow each other. Because as Christ says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall. Um, and therefore, those are the things that uh, Paul was trying to prevent as well. So think about that, right? I mean, I'm looking at this verse in Titus chapter 2, verse 5, that says, um, a woman must be self-controlled, pure, uh, managers of their households, kind and submissive to their own husbands, so that the word of God will will not be uh, dis discredited, right? So just to think about the fact that he specifically says managers of their own home, homes belonging to them, and submissive to their own husbands. That's where the issue of submission comes from. It is not to say that every woman should be submissive to every man. And and I think that's an, a very important distinction because many, many, these are the types of verses that can be abused by men who, not just men, but people who don't know better. Um, and I know that you might be thinking, but you know, they, some of these men are older than us. They are in their, you know, they're the senior years. They're approaching their, their, their graves, you know? Um, and that's the thing though, though, even though wisdom may come with age, but sometimes knowledge doesn't and understanding doesn't. You see, in the book of Proverbs, it says that you should pursue knowledge and understanding and with all, 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 apart from and with, every, with your every bit of yourself, you should also pursue wisdom. So all those things are different, right? Understanding and knowledge operate at a different level. Has They have their own rules. You pursue them in a different way than you pursue wisdom. You know, wisdom, I mean, just studying the book of Proverbs will fill you up with wisdom. But knowledge, knowledge is a different thing. You need to read the books that break down the complexities, the complex concepts um, in order for you to understand and have that knowledge make sense to you. Um, and then when you apply it, it's when you actually begin to understand it. When you take knowledge and apply it, the understanding of how that knowledge is applicable and how it works and how it benefits you, that's understanding. But wisdom is different. Wisdom is very different. Wisdom is knowing when to apply knowledge. Wisdom is, is knowing by what means, what attitude, uh, when is the right time to tell people things uh, that, or, or make people aware of certain things. That's where wisdom comes in. 
Uh, wisdom is is what you use to discern and and what you use to navigate conflict and help people mediate conflict. Wisdom does that. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding very different. It's a conversation for another day, but I just thought I should just drop it here, <laughs> right? But yeah, this is a very, very um, um, con complicated subject. We will be exploring other avenues um, in like the uh, following uh, podcasts that we're going to do or conversations that we're going to have. So definitely do tune in for that. Uh, but for now, the one thing that I, I especially want you to take home is the fact that God wants women in positions of leadership, but he does not want them to be there with rebellious hearts. Hearts that are full of uh, conniving, hearts that are not, um, you know, submissive to him at, in, 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 at first, you know, hearts that are only there to destroy rather than to build. He wants a woman to be in a position of leadership, not to um, replace the qualities of a man, because here's the thing, leadership is not a man's quality. That's another thing we need to understand. If a woman is in a position of leadership, she will lead with the qualities of a woman, the things that are uniquely and distinctly feminine. And we need to celebrate that. And we need to appreciate that there are positions where women can come in and take leadership and do something that a man would not be able to replicate. That's what makes our communities and societies whole and complete. And I am not even trying to say that, you know, a woman should only exist in positions of leadership in spaces that are feminine, like, you know, nursing is something we consider feminine. Uh, maybe the woman's ministry is something we consider feminine. Um, or uh, being a, a air hostess is something that is widely, universally on planet Earth considered to be feminine. When was the last time you got on a plane and was served by a man it's rare because we consider those positions and those roles as being feminine and that's not what i'm trying to say you know we've had women who have led armies who have literally led armies to victory there's a movie coming out which i'm very excited for i'm not saying that I, i'm excited for every single thing that's going to be depicted in this film but it's a film starring viola davis as the leader of a nigerian army I am so excited to see that. And I really do hope that they explore the feminine, uniquely feminine struggles and female struggles. Like what would a female warrior struggle with? The unique and different struggles that she would have that a woman in her, a man in her position would not have. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, um, this also opens up questions of having why do countries not have female presidents uh we're definitely not going to get into exploring those politics because that has a lot to do with earthly worldly politics uh but i'm definitely game for it i'm up for it i'm i'm definitely looking forward to um building and encouraging a generation that understands that women in positions of leadership are a good thing our societies need that and i hope that's the message that we've driven home to you just make sure that wherever god places you in a position of influence of leadership of 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 decision making of making decisions that impact other people's lives make sure that you are doing it under the guidance of the holy spirit 
having your entire being submissive towards Christ, you know? And I think that's the dilemma with being a woman who's in leadership and also being married. It's a it's an interesting dynamic because at home, you also have to acknowledge the fact that your husband is the head. But at your place of operation and your place of leadership, you need to operate as a brave and bold, fearless leader. You need to be as bold as a lion um, in whatever space God has placed you within because God does not want us to honor one scripture while violating another. 